By the time we get to Genesis 12, Abraham is 75 years old. He has wider family members living close by. He has been well established in his community. And suddenly, out of nowhere, God speaks to Abraham. And so we break in to the story of Abraham, chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all of the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Dei on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Now, why is that significant? Well, it's significant for this reason. Abraham had lived for 75 years. He was an established figure in his community. His wider family lived close by. He owned land and livestock, and he was well settled and moving into what we would normally think of as his twilight years. And then suddenly, with no warning, God speaks to Abraham, and his life is in entirely turned upside down. It will never be the same again. And for those first 75 years, he simply went about life as normal. And then we read those wonderful words, the Lord had said to Abraham. There was no burning bush, no dream in the middle of the night, no writing on the wall. God was speaking to Abraham. And doctrinally, that tells us several things. First of all, it tells us that he is a self-revealing God, that he takes the initiative. And that runs throughout Scripture. Not only did he create all that we are aware of and so much more, but he created us in order that we might know him, love him, and have a deep, profound relationship with him, and he speaks to his, to his creation. Now, when I say speaks, let me explain what I mean. Because sometimes in Christian circles, we'll talk about God speaking to individuals. We'll talk about God speaking in circumstances or God speaking in his word. 
Now, it's rare in Scripture that God speaks audibly. And if you are hearing voices from God, see me later, and I will see if I can get some professional help for you, because you may be in some difficulty. So what do we mean when we talk about God speaking to us? What we mean is this, that usually over a protracted period, and it often happens on a Sunday morning when we're studying the Scriptures together, it seems as if a passage of Scripture speaks directly into our lives. It addresses a circumstance or a situation we are facing. Sometimes it brings comfort and reassurance, and we're overwhelmed by His love and His grace, and we leave with hearts and minds soaring. Other times it's challenging us to look at our lives, to dig into those deep recesses of thought process and behavior and relationships, and that can be profoundly uncomfortable and challenging. And that's what we mean when we talk about God speaking to us through His Word. But here, the Lord spoke to Abraham, and Abraham was never the same again. And he revealed himself to Abraham. And Abraham was profoundly moved. Now understand the magnitude of what's happening here. He says to him, Abraham, I want you to leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to a land I will show you. And what is he saying to Abraham? He's saying this. Abraham, for the last 75 years, you have been establishing yourself. You've been establishing your wider family, married to Sarai. You're well known in the community. And Abraham, I want you to give it all up. All of it. And Abraham, what's more, I am calling you to go and live in a new land. And Abraham, as I am calling you, I am about to stretch you spiritually. You're about to grow in intimacy with me. And you and I will do deep, deep things together. And what I was saying to him was this, Abraham, if you surround yourself with all that is familiar, all that is known, all that you have come to depend on, you will never be the man of God I am calling you to be. And Abraham, I want you to leave behind all that you are comfortable with, the known, and come with me to the unknown. Come with me to a Establish a group of people that will bless the entire world and will go on for centuries after centuries after centuries. That was the significance of what's going on here. And Abraham, in a monumental step of faith, stepped out. It was a seminal moment in the life of Abraham. God was testing and stretching Abraham in every sense. Now, you may be sitting here this morning saying, Richard, I think I've grasped what you're saying. I think I understand that way back in the Old Testament, 
That was the way things would happen. Did it not happen with Moses at the burning bush? And did it not happen when Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery and he found himself in Egypt? I get all of that. But are you really telling me that happens today? Really? Well, let me suggest this. Think back in your own imagination to your own family, the circumstances of your life, the previous generations at some point, probably in the 16th, 17th century, had a conversation something like this. One of your ancestors said to the other, let's imagine the dad is beginning the conversation and he says, honey, I've been thinking. And one of the guys in work told me about his brother-in-law who moved to the new world about two years ago. And he's been getting letters back to say there's work there. And it seems like a good life. And they have settled there as a family and the children are doing well in school and they've built their own house. Is that something we would think about? Now that's a conversation starter, is it not? And of course his wife is saying to him, I'm sorry, we're moving to the colonies in the new world? And she says, but where will we live? What will you do for a living? Where will the children go to school? And then comes the tough questions. Do they have moon pie and RC cola and do they have grits there? These are big questions. And for all my silliness, you're beginning to get a sense and a feel for what happened to your ancestors. Not just in Old Testament times, not just in the 16th and 17th century, because I suspect that some of us in the next year to 18 months will have a similar discussion in your wider family. Someone who graduated from college over the last couple of days will pick up a job here in Greenfield for the next 14 to 16 months, and then they'll come and see you at some point and say, I've been offered promotion, and it's in San Diego. When God begins to work in the circumstances of your life, and he does it in a surprising, unusual manner, please hear this, he is uprooting you and isolating you from all that was comfortable and all that was known. Because if you remain there, you will fall back on expertise and experience and character and charisma. But when he takes you and puts you in a situation that was not of your making, a situation that you didn't desire, didn't seek to manufacture, are out of your depth, not only is he stretching you and growing you in your faith, what you will discover is this, that there is character and ability and opportunities you could never have imagined because you are growing at a rate that if you had remained where you were, it would never have taken place. And God is shaping and fashioning. And he is working in those deep recesses of the soul. That's what's going on. It was going on with Abraham and it goes on again today. 
And when God in all of his regenerative power and all of his renewing grace and grants to us the ability to match the call on our lives, those are exciting days. Unsettling, yes. Exciting, yes. Unnerving, yes. But extremely healthy extremely healthy. And sometimes it happens in the life of an individual and other times it happens in the life of a congregation. And he says to you, I'm taking you to the next level and I'm stretching you and growing you and I'm giving you opportunities to impact the spiritual heart of a city. And I need you to step up and I need you to respond prayerfully and obediently. And if you are sensing some identification with that, you'll have grasped just a little of what was going on in the life of Abraham. Because when God uproots you and isolates you, with that comes a profound dependency on a sovereign God who knows what he is doing. And when he takes you there, please hear this. Not only do you grow, not only you develop gifts and abilities you never knew you had, but you begin slowly and surely to retune and recalibrate your deepest affections and your first love because He becomes all things and everything to you. And your prayer life goes to a deeper level. Worship becomes a priority again. You begin to understand him at levels you couldn't see while you were comfortable with the known and the routine and the daily. That's what was going on in the life of Abraham. Now having said all of that, when Abraham leaves, of course the neighbors see him packing and some of them will gather around and when he's in the garage tidying out all the stuff that's lying there and they say to him, Abraham, I hear you're leaving. Sarah told my wife earlier this week, said, yes, we're looking forward to it. And where are you going? Well, actually, I don't know where I'm going. Okay. And have you been thinking about this for some time? No, not really. And Sarai's going with you and Lot and the rest of the family and your livestock? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what will you do when you get there? I don't know. And what will the wee ones do about school? I don't know. When will you be back? I don't know. And you know that when this conversation is going over here, the ladies in the neighborhood have gathered around Sarai and said, now, Sarai, when did he begin to be like this? Is he having memory issues? Is he a little confused at times? What is, what is, is this some kind of midlife crisis he didn't have when he was 50? What is, what is going on? When you take the things of God seriously, you will change. And others will see that change. 
And they'll wonder what on earth is going on. But with that change comes a full, profound dependency on God and God alone. Now, how do we begin to apply all of this? How do we make sense of it? Well, several things. And the first is this. And it's a theological point, and it's worth holding on to because it lies at the very heart of the Reformed faith. What if God had called Abraham? And Abraham paid attention and then sat down and said, Well, Lord, I am profoundly indebted to you for asking. That's an amazing compliment. I never thought you'd ask. But honestly, Sarah and I are settled at this stage in our life, and we're enjoying our wider family, and we don't think moving to Haran is a good idea. So thank We appreciate you asking. Thank you. It was so kind, uh, but thank you, no. Is the rest of God's sovereign, redemptive purposes come to nothing because Abraham said no? What of Paul on the road to Damascus? What if the risen Christ had revealed himself to Paul and Paul sat there on his horse and said, I did not believe this. And here you are. Wow. Thank you. I can go back and tell folks I've seen you and I'm glad I've solved that puzzle. Thank you. Theologians describe what happens to Paul and what happened to Abraham as the effectual, irresistible grace of God that when he touches a person's heart and soul and he calls them into a relationship with himself, he exposes them to his love and his grace and the wonder and joy and fulfillment and the sheer thrill of having intimacy with the living God. And you cannot be the same again. You don't have the option to sit there and say, thanks, but no thanks. The very opposite is true. The only legitimate response is to submit and surrender your life to him. That's what happens in the gospel. That's what happened way back in the Old Testament, again and again and again and again. And God was at work bringing to pass his purpose and his, what we call, eternal decrees. That's what was going on. And notice verse 6 and 7. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram. Now, let me stop there. It was no longer the Lord said. It was no longer the Lord revealed. It was no longer the Lord spoke to. The Lord revealed himself. That's called a theophany. And it means this, the manifestation of God in some physical or audible fashion. 
And here was Abraham, and notice what he did in response. He built an altar. The only thing he could do was with worship and adoration and devotion and sacrifice and obedience. That's what was going on. And here was God still at work in the life of Abraham. So four practical things as we wrap it up. Number one. If you have a family member who's struggling with a major crisis in their life and they're not quite sure what the future holds, God can be trusted in the middle of it all. And let me say that again. I don't want you to miss it. He is sufficient for your every need. If your parents or perhaps spouse and allow me to probe a little, and please forgive me for this, is showing early signs of dementia, and you are at your wit's end and do not know what to do next, and it is such a debilitating, crippling disease, and you just don't know what to do, he is able, right in the midst of that, to bring his comfort and his presence and lead and guide and direct you to all the medical resources that will help and all the people resources to pray for and support you. He's there. When he called Abraham into difficult, challenging circumstances, he didn't allow those challenging, difficult circumstances only to abandon him. He's right there. And the scripture teaches again and again, I will never leave you or forsake you. You can trust him. Second, God never calls the enabled. He enables the called. Now let me explain. If we demonstrate ability, if we demonstrate that we are trusting in character and expertise and experience. He's going to leave us to get on with it. He never calls the enabled, but he does enable the called. You see it in the life of David. You see it in the life of Joseph. You see it in the life of Abraham. You see it in the life of Jacob and so many others. When he called you, he equips you and he enables you to respond to his call and to move forward. And finally, I mentioned earlier that one of the dangers of doing a character study in the Bible is that we will come away focused on Abraham or Jacob or Joseph or David or Daniel or Peter or Paul or so many different characters. But please hear this. Our primary focus on Sunday morning is never Abraham or David or Daniel or Jacob or Joseph. Our primary focus is always, always, always on God. And it should be. And let me finish with this. 
You may be here saying, Richard, I'm listening to all you're saying. I think I get it. But there is something in my life I have believed and I have prayed for and I have wanted for years and God has not given it to me. And I cannot understand why he wouldn't. Why would he not give me what I want, my heart's desire? Well, please understand this. He may well ultimately give you what your heart's desire is, but please hear this. While you are focused on what you want, he is focused on who you are becoming. He's focused on who you are becoming while you wait. He's focused on how he is refining you and shaping you and fashioning your soul because who you are and your relationship with him is far more important than anything you could ever want or desire. Far more important. Because when the heart is right with him, the rest fall into perspective. So this week, here's my challenge. Go home. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. Read it again tomorrow. And then again on Tuesday. And again on Wednesday. And again on Thursday and Friday. And then as we move towards next weekend into chapter 13. And what you will discover is this. That the more you immerse yourself in this book, the more it will speak into the circumstances of your life. But don't be surprised if he uproots you and isolates you because his ultimate goal is to watch you grow in your relationship with him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture today. Help us as we complete our worship this morning to go home rejoicing in your covenant love and grace for us. Be with us, encourage us, equip us for all that lies ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.